Hi, it's Kylie Mojadidi, your host of Kylie Says. If you've landed here, then you might be somewhat like me, a busy mom of two kids working in the corporate world, used to the hustle culture that comes along with your day-to-day. But you might also be spiritually curious and into things like human design, yoga, meditation, past lives, manifestation, and more. But maybe like me, you don't really feel like you have a tribe that you can connect to and talk to openly about these topics. Because let's face it, sometimes they can be a little woo-woo. Here, I cut the bullshit and talk about my experience in my current spiritual awakening. What that looks like to do it still fully employed at a corporate job. What it looks like to be a mom of two raising a family in the Bay Area, one of the fastest paced places in the world. And what it looks like to kind of figure out who the hell I am in my mid-30s. Come and join us. Yay, you're back. Thanks so much for coming. And I have a new microphone that I'm super excited about. It's pink and it is totally me. It definitely doesn't really match the vibe of my room, but I wanted something that just genuinely made me happy. And this microphone does it. And I actually don't have to hold the microphone like I used to have to do where I felt like the sound was not right until I was holding the microphone. So anyway, small PSA that just, it's the small things in life that make me super happy. But today we have a big thing happening on the podcast. I am so excited about it. I recently found and came across this woman named Nadia Gabrielle on Instagram. I was looking into other pages that could give me more insight into human design. And I wanted to follow more people that were talking about human design. I was trying to do just a clearing of my social media and find pages that were informative, but were also fun. They gave me some tips. They potentially interviewed people or they just, you know, gave me, made me laugh and made me smile. And I came across this page called Projectors Invited. So immediately as a projector, I laughed at the title because if you know anything about projectors in human design, human design is one of the only five energy types that must wait for an invitation before sharing their magic, before sharing their secret sauce. So it says in human design that for projectors, you have to wait for an invitation before you give your opinion on the matter or before you share your two cents. That can be really hard for people like myself, who I'm a 6'2 projector and that my type is the talented role model. So that means that I have a bird's eye view on situations and scenarios. So undoubtedly, I have advice that I want to consistently share with people, all in the name of bettering them. And it can fall on deaf ears if you don't actually have a chance to be invited to share that feedback. That has been a huge honestly, just like sense of awakening for me of not just blurting out my feedback unless I'm asked because it has gotten me into trouble in the past. So as soon as I came across her page, Projectors Invited, it just made me smile because it's specifically addressed to projectors, but really anyone who follows human design. And it allows you to kind of tap into some of the the special pieces of what it means to be a projector in just a funny, kitschy way through memes that make you laugh, make you feel good, but also make you feel really seen. And outside of her page, Projectors Invited, she is a conscious strategy and subconscious capacity coach. She has a business called The Service Design School, and it basically allows you to take a course, which is currently waitlisted, or one-on-one trainings 
where she teaches you how to design for the business that you want. So it'll cover this school, will cover the ins and outs of the invisible backend process that really need to happen in order for you to create a desirable front end business and firmly establish what your business is about, who you're serving. And this curriculum allows you to kind of look into the past of your business, the future of your business, and really helps you kind of envision that you have, it, it takes a lot of um, time and effort to focus on what do you want from your business? Who is your audience? So what does your business look like in the future? And it gives you a step-by-step design, step-by-step design curriculum to allow you to pretty much build new client relationships, help you get paid, and also understand what your needs are. So using these schools, you can you know identify your highest leverage moves, you can attract, convert, and keep clients, and it'll really help you understand your energetic entrepreneurial blueprint. So for anyone who is currently in the process of creating a business, or you know, if you just are interested in the learning more about what this actually might look like when you're focusing on an entrepreneurial journey in the future, she really knows what the hell she is doing. So this is someone worth following. I will link the site for you in the notes section. I'll also link both of her Instagram pages, her personal and her projectors invited page, which honestly are just both so visually appealing. It is so fun to follow her. I truly am so thankful that she gave me the time to do this. We're on different parts of the world, literally. I've interviewed people that are different parts of the country, but we are in different countries. So we had to find a time that actually worked for the both of us. And I'm super excited to dig in today. We're gonna talk about a lot of things that I think might be interesting for anyone who is interested in tapping into what their truest potential might look like and what a course on that might actually provide for you. So we're gonna tap into personality tests. What is the difference between something like your Enneagram versus your human design? What did she feel like when she found out she was a projector? Does she have any envy towards any of the other energy types? And again, there are five, but we'll go into all of those in a little bit more detail. And then also just some tips and tricks she has, like how did she form her business? What is the purpose of it? What is she aiming to do? Who is she aiming to serve? And what what are her courses aimed to teach people? So if you have any entrepreneurial spirit within you, this is definitely the podcast to listen to. It's just two gals gabbing about life and businesses that they're creating with ties to human design that help kind of permeate the foundation of everything that we do and the decisions that we make and how that shows up in projectorhood because projectors, again, need invitations for the most part to make things happen, but that does not necessarily mean that we need to sit idly by and wait for invitations before creating businesses or before kind of moving forward with our strategy and authority. So buckle up, this is a really good one. I am so excited that you came here and let's dive in. Okay. Yay. I'm so excited. I've said that like four times, but I (laughs) truly, truly am. And we have to dive into some of this astrology stuff actually, once we actually get started, but everybody welcome back. I talked a little bit in the intro about how excited I was to have Nadia on the (laughs) podcast today. And I want to just start Nadia. I would try to give your opener for you, but I feel like it's so multifaceted. I don't want to. Oh no, please give it for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the way that I think about what you do is really you incorporate. So there's like two pieces of you to me, which I love because again, like multifaceted, I feel like you have the projectors invited, obviously, um, Instagram page that's become incredibly successful. I just see this getting even more and more successful. You have 19,000 followers oh. on this page simply meant for projectors. And for me, when I first saw it, I literally laughed because I was like, oh my gosh, yes, my invitation, <laughs> because I've been learning about human design for a while now, but the invitation part of being a projector was, it took me a long time to accept. So when I saw projectors mm -hmm. invited, it kind of felt like a safe place of home, a safe landing place. Mm -hmm. So you have this page projectors invited that really is incorporating humor into human design and utilizing memes to make projectors feel seen in a world where they often don't necessarily feel seen. And then you have this other side, which is your corporate business side where you help women and men, I'm sure, you know, anyone who is really looking to kind of solidify what a business might look like by focusing on their, their strategy and then their capacity. So the conscious and the subconscious parts of what it takes to build a business, whether that's the conscious is, this is what I am planning to offer. This is the service I am providing to my audience. And then the unconscious is kind of, how do I get there? How do I understand what to charge? How do I have confidence in what I'm actually offering and retaining clients and making sure that they understand that, you know, they can, they can come back to me. This isn't just a one-time thing. And then we never engage again. So ultimately helping women, I, I assume women, men, anyone who's Both. really looking to build a business, understand what their unique value offering is and using their strategy and capacity as kind of tools for them to understand what that looks like and then allow them to be successful. Is that? That <laughs> was a stellar introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, yay. Okay, good. <laughs> is there anything that you would add? No, not really. Okay. Fa fabulous. <laughs> I feel so honored. <laughs> Nailed that. Um, so how, I want to know how you came to this how you came to this as a landing place for your business. Because the more that I dug in sidebar, I was like, I'm hiring her because I'm starting a side Are project you? for myself right now. And I'm Ooh, kind of this exciting. place where I'm, I had this few months of absolute inspiration, this like download of what I wanted to do. I'm working with um, a woman who's helping me build out my site, my Wonderful. branding, like everything. And Truly, I'm so excited about it. But now all of my my open head, throat, mm. center, identity center are all talking more than I'm mm -hmm. listening. <laughs> so it's- Tell me what your authority is. I can't believe I don't know. Um, so I am a 6'2 projector with splenic authority. Okay. And you said open head. I've got an open head, open ideas, open throat- and okay. the only two centers that I have defined are my spleen mm -hmm. and my will center. Oh, wow. How does that so, feel? <laughs> well, it's interesting because when this is why I kind of became obsessed with human design, because yeah. it was the first time that I I've been obsessed with personality types and all of the different types of tests my entire life. And when I read what my human design profile was, and I had a, I've had two human design readings because I really wanted to dive into some of the, mm -hmm. the differences. Basically, I wanted to have two different practitioners give me the same information and see which one really resonated <laughs> with me. What did I capture? What did I miss? Where do I need to hone in? But it was the first time that I truly felt, oh my gosh, I am seen because my whole life I've switched from 
friend group to friend group. I never really felt like I had a home. Mm. Almost like, and when I started looking into my star seed, I was like, okay, like this makes a little bit more sense for me because I've never, I've never felt like I just had this landing place that felt, Mm. oh, this is home to me. And I hated being alone. I hated resting. I felt like, oh my gosh, if I'm not Mm. doing something, I'm not worthy. And then when I realized it's my literally it's part of my design to enable myself to rest. I just felt this sense of peace. Okay. It's okay for me not to have anxiety by not being as busy as other people. It just gave me this sense of newfound, almost purpose in a way that I just, I've been honestly obsessed with ever since. And I want to incorporate human design into the business that I'm creating. Which is what is it is, are you ready to talk about it or is it more? Yeah, no, I I haven't like launched it yet, but I have talked about it. Um, So it's going to be called Golden Hour with Kylie. And ultimately, it's going to be a mix of coaching and Mm -hmm. a mix of working with parents to help them better understand how they've been conditioned and how to kind of decondition and reparent themselves and then how to incorporate human design into helping them allow their children to be deconditioned by all of the parental things that happened to them and how they've been parenting their kids mm-hmm. and kind of stop that those patterns that have allowed them to kind of parent in a way that they didn't want to parent and let their kids just be who they're meant to be mm-hmm. and redefine what success looks like and not put all of the societal and parental pressures on kids and teens that I think we did when I was growing up and allow them to come into their own. I truly think that human design is so beautiful for kids and especially for parents and mm-hmm. being able to just dig a little bit deeper into what does it mean to allow your kid to come into who they're truly meant to be with all of the facets that come along with that. And I think human design is set up to allow that to happen. So I would love to see like a step change in how we parent and allowing our kids to just be who they're meant to be and define Mm -hmm. what success looks like on their own. I think that that's so important. And I wish that someone had worked with that on me. Like I wish that I had that when I was growing up to be able to understand, like, what does it mean to be successful? Like even today, because, you know, I had all these open centers, I was very easily influenced by others' opinions because I didn't understand how to listen to my own. Yeah. Or you didn't even hear it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or I didn't know how to listen because I was so overwhelmed with everyone else's. It's very common, especially with the configuration, right? open identity, it's it's easy to feel like you're kind of just swaying sort of the, the direction the wind blows, as we say here. Exactly. The, mm-hmm. the pendulum will swing to one group and I'm like, oh, I connect with them. It'll swing to another group. And I'm like, wait. And you feel like strongly, right? That's where it gets tricky because the, your surroundings will make you feel really strongly about one thing. And it will almost feel like that's your personal conviction, but then you're out of aura. You're out of that space and you're like, wait a minute. And you kind of have to recalibrate towards yourself. Like, what was the thing that's that's actually me? So it t- takes practice. So how do you build those practices? Like, what what is something yeah. that you do personally to help yourself realign and understand, okay, my aura is literally infiltrating my environment and the people around <laughs> me right now. Like, what is me? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I do have a defined identity, so that's there's something there that's already quite strong within me, but of course I have, you know, I have only three centers defined, so also lots undefined. And what's really been helpful for me is to get a good understanding, and you can do that step by step, doesn't have to be all at once, 
of the voice and the frequency of those different centers undefined in particular so that you can at least understand which one is talking and then that gives you more of an understanding of do I want to listen to that or do I want to just let that flow through it's kind of like you know you're a mom so you know let's say um my my undefined sacral which as projectors we all share we'll, we'll all have undefined sacral centers there's going to be that really strong voice of like, yeah, but we can still push a little more, right? Like it's, it's going so well. Like, let's just keep going. Let's just work through the night. Mm-hmm. And if I can understand over time with experience, like, oh, that's just the voice of the sacral, that I don't have to take that as the absolute truth. I don't have to go with that because it's one voice that is trying to pull me in a certain direction. It's kind of like a child that's like, oh, but can't I have the snack? Or like, let's just do And you can with that understanding, you can go, okay, honey, like, I get that. I know you want that. And I also have the distance that is necessary to know, do I actually want to do that in this moment or not? Uh Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it reminds me that we just move so fast all the time that the idea, and especially living in the Bay Area, especially, I feel like everything is, it needs to happen yesterday. That's kind of the... Mm -hmm the vibe it's you know one of the startup capitals if not the biggest startup capital in the entire world so everyone is here trying to make something happen because Mm -hmm. there's almost like this there's a lack mindset if I don't do it someone else is gonna do it someone else gonna do it Mm -hmm. and so I think that you know being brought up and raised only in this environment I think has a lot of impact on how you're actually able to slow down to listen to that voice. Because when I go somewhere else that's slower, like we just vacationed in Hawaii. Oh, I wonderful. Just, I was like, oh, this is like these types of environments are where I'm meant to be, where I just feel so much more calm and centered. Mm-hmm. And not because I'm not working in on the quote unquote, the grind, but it's more just because the pace in which the energy moves is slower. Like you can genuinely feel the shift. It allows you that pause. Do you happen to know your environment in human design? Have you looked it up? Yes. My environment in human design is, so I think, would this be where it says it's kitchens? Yes, that's exactly right. Do you, do you identify with that? Does that resonate? I think so, because I feel like also, even when I worked, so I work from home 24 seven now, but when mm-hmm. I worked in an office, I still would, I liked the environment, but I would try, I would kind of find myself going to the rooms that had like the light. I always wanted to sit by the window um, and direct light is my digestion, but mm-hmm. I liked the, like seeing kind of where, okay, this is where the transformation happens. Mm-hmm. I love going into coffee shops and the vibe that happened in coffee shops where it felt like it was just this creative, energetic hub. And coffee mm-hmm. shops, you know, kind of have like that kitchen vibe. You hear the appliances, you have things being made, you can smell things. Being things cold. are changing form. Yeah. Like exactly. It goes from and cold to warm. Mm-hmm. So that felt for me like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I can see that totally. In my head, I thought it was going to be like beach <laughs> or... <laughs> you know, like the ocean or something like that, because that's where I feel really drawn. But Mm -hmm. then reading more about what it actually meant, like, oh, okay, it's, again, like seeing where things are kind of being transformed. That made a lot of sense to me. What's yours? Mine is mountains. Okay, I think my daughter's is mountains, which Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, okay, that's really interesting to know, because I, I don't know why I haven't dug into it. But I was just like, okay, like noted. 
Mm -hmm. Do you find that she likes to, like she seeks elevation just naturally? I have never thought about that. It's going be something interesting to observe. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I will have to look into that. And it's also, right, sometimes you can take these things more symbolically as well. Although I do like, like I live on the top floor. <laughs> I do like having that. I feel much better um, living on, on the top floor than I would sort of ground level. Um, and then the symbolic aspect is also mountains people like to, like we like to keep to ourselves a little bit. We like to stay up on our mountain. And then we love when someone makes the arduous way up the mountain and kind of comes up and is like, Hey, can I, you know, can we have a quick chat or can I ask you for advice? And then you, you have that conversation, but then they leave again and you're back in your little mountain area by yourself. Like we don't so much love to go down and like go into the, into the markets in the valleys. Um, we yeah. feel, we feel much more comfortable. That way. Oh, wow. I had never thought about that before, but I love that. And I also feel like that does kind of seem like my daughter because she's someone who can play by herself. She doesn't, mm -hmm. she, she's only four, but yeah, even when she was little, little, she was very much an observer of all things before she decided if she wanted to engage, even with people, mm -hmm. she wasn't the kid that would immediately run up to a stranger or even someone that she knew and just give them her attention. She yeah. It was kind of like you need to work for me to engage so it's almost like yeah you need to make your way up this mountain before I exactly come down in the middle <laughs> that's really intriguing i love that because you have this pressure as a mom to tell your kid like go give so-and-so a hug go no, mm -hmm. oh, no yeah and i've been trying to like decondition that from myself because i'm like if you don't feel comfortable then don't do it like that's you so have wonderful. a choice like, do not give them a husband and just, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to apologize to someone else for my daughter having this inherent, I don't want to say disgust because that's not the word, but. No, but she has her own, she has her own agency. She knows yeah. what she wants and more so than we usually do for ourselves because we have decades of conditioning under our belts, whereas mm -hmm. for them, it's still very much fresh and the, the, the impulses are still un- how would we say it in English? Um, like not, it doesn't go through that filter of, oh, what's acceptable and what's accepted of me and expected of me and what's, um, how do we do this in this society? So it's going to be more um, genuine. She has discernment in a way mm -hmm. that is judgment free. It's interesting though, because I took her to a speech class mm -hmm. or to a, because she was struggling with speech and we took her to see a specialist. And one thing he said is that I need to be mindful of her potentially getting anxiety as an adult, because mm. what, what most kids will do is they'll get asked a question like, what is this letter? And they'll just blurt out T, R. Like they don't know what it is, but they'll just take a guess. And instead my daughter looked at all of the adults in the room and the eyes, like directly in the eyes for validation. We didn't tell her what mm. it was and she didn't know. And then she just put her head down and stared down because she didn't know. Mm -hmm. And instead of being wrong, she just she didn't, didn't try. Mm -hmm. And then we coached her through it and said like, it's okay. You don't have to know all of these. Like, that's why we're here. We're learning. Like, it's okay. And then she kind of like slow, it took a long time, but then she slowly started to be like, I don't know, or, mm -hmm. you know, like put her shoulders up. Yeah. But some of her human design occasionally, well, it, some of her 
gates and channels sometimes like when i read them i'm like oh i don't know if i like that because her her son is in like discernment and judgment and patterns Mm -hmm. and that at first i was like oh my gosh i wish it was something else but I'm trying to read and not how humans work, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like condition myself to be like, it's not better or worse. It's just hers. And how do yeah. I help that? And she has like this sincere questioning to her. So mm-hmm. she will ask you 100,000 questions. Why is this? Why is that? Why is that person doing this? Why is who's in that car next to us? And <laughs> At first I used to be like, oh my God, enough with the questions. And now I try to genuinely like answer them to satisfy her, her need for understanding what this pattern might look like or why this is the way that it is, because I understand it's part of her design to Mm -hmm. understand, to identify the pattern. And I can't, I don't want to limit her curiosity of the world because it might be annoying to answer questions that Mm -hmm. to me seem so obvious. So I've, and I've coached my parents through this as well, because they also help care for her to say like, let her ask all the questions. And just like when she's satisfied with the response and she feels like she understands, she'll cut it out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wants to learn and understand. Like she, she has that all through her human design chart. She has like questioning. And how did your parents, were they receptive to that and that reasoning? Yes. Now, mm-hmm. now they just try to give her an answer and they're like, Oh, you did. I can tell you didn't like that one. And she'll ask again. <laughs> like she'll ask until she gets an answer almost that suits her. That's satisfied that. Yeah. Which to me is very intriguing, but I want to switch gears a little bit because thanks for allowing me room and space to talk about. Of course. Daughter. I think it's incredible awareness that you're, that you're bringing to the table in your parenting. Like it shows, you know, how much the journey you've, you've made yourself and that you can be that conscious in your parenting decisions. It's quite the feat. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I want to talk a little bit about projectors (laughs) invited and the community, because I want to understand like what made you want to create this page and how did you grow this community to what it is today? I hope my answers are going to be sufficient because there wasn't like a master plan (laughs) or anything. Was it for yourself initially? Because you're like, this is missing. Like, this is funny. Not even this is missing. Like, it's just what lights me up. And also what comes very naturally to me is to employ my creativity and my humor that I've had all my life and the way I look at things. So say I'm at the library and I'm like leafing through an art history book. The way my mind works is like, oh, this like statue is what I look like when I'm bitter. Or like this Renaissance painting basically depicts the aura dynamics of a projector, you know, that we never want to be in or something like that. So it was a natural thing. There wasn't much strategizing about it. What I will say is that my initial idea was to do the account for all um, types. So to it had a different name. Mm. I already had the, had the account. I already had the logo. And I just, I didn't make one meme. No memes were made. <laughs> I just had the account um, and the logo ready and nothing happened for a couple of weeks, I think. Um, and until I realized like, oh, I, I think I just don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to feel pressure to make like the reflector version of this. And like, I have so much respect for, you know, those astrology accounts who do the meme for every single um, sign before they post it. That's a lot of work. And also it doesn't sort of go with my process, which is the inspiration hits. I'll do it. I want to post it. Um, And so then I made that internal change of why don't I do it just for us? 
And then right away, I posted like five memes, I think the first day or something crazy like that, because it was flowing, right? The energy, like the obstruction was removed and everything was flowing. And um, I think it just fits me as a person, like to have a creative outlet that's fun and engaging and humorous, but also somewhat educational, just not in a traditional sense. Like I'm, I'm extremely uninterested in having like a regular sort of human design Instagram account posting about this channel and other channels or doing the more regular education thing because other people are doing that so well already. I don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the memes, you know, especially at the time years ago, it was, it was fresh. It wasn't really done. And I think that's why there's a lot of resonance. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people once they come across your page or once they've been following you for a while? Because you know what my favorite thing is? I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I want to hear. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I want to hear. My favorite thing is when, so I don't always catch it because there's a lot, you know, on the like notification, there's a lot going on. But my favorite thing is when someone finds it and then they go all the way through the archive. And then all of a sudden you see a like for like one of the old, old ones. (laughs) And it's like, wow, someone really took the time out of their day to like scroll and scroll and scroll. (laughs) And that's exactly literally what I did and what I felt because it's kind of like you just for me, I keep saying like, I had to laugh, but not in a way where it was like, oh, this is so funny in a way that was like, no, like a little bit attacked, like a little, (laughs) like I feel seen where it's like, you know, how people will post something and then like a meme or funny. Yeah. yeah, And then say like, I feel so seen right now. It was one of those moments for me where I was just like, oh, wow. Like, this is great. Like I have to dig into this more. But I, I was wondering, like, has anyone ever said to you, you need to like create a, like a in-person or box or group or something for projectors? Oh, hell no. <laughs> you would never no do that. No one does anything like that to me. No, um, no, because they know I wouldn't do it. Um, that's not my thing at all. What I have done is like, we've had, I've taught classes, I've taught live classes. That's when people get together and it, I will say it's always like the groups, because I do have a two, four profile. So there's a four line in there that is really good at connecting and networking. Um, And the groups that find their way together in my events are always like, everyone says that it's the number one feedback. It's like, wow, that is like quality. That is a quality group of people. So that's really fun. We did a couple of years ago for the anniversary, we did like a secret sort of projector salon I think I called it where we just came together and chatted which was also super fun and I love when people connect with each other and then you know two years later you're like you see a collaboration or you see like Mm -hmm. oh these two people formed a podcast together they did this and this um that I love um I would I personally just as a person am a proud member of zero group chats (laughs) Oh my gosh. No WhatsApp group. I'm not even on WhatsApp. None of that. Um, very uninterested have been like that pretty much. I mean, at uni, I guess I, I had some groups I was in, but since then. And um, so that's not something I'm going to do anytime soon. <laughs> I respect that because I will say, I think, I feel like so many of my girlfriends too. It's like, you know, when certain seasons are starting based on how many group chats <laughs> your husband is in or like, your friends. What do you mean by seasons? Yes. It's like, okay, well, it's football season. Oh, it's oh, I see. season. Yeah. Because it's like, 
sometimes you're like, who in the heck are you talking to? You can just see like, if you're in a room, the guys that are in group chats, you know, because they're laughing at their camera to them or like, everyone's like laughing at the same. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you're like, oh my gosh, another group chat. Here we go. But so funny. It, it is distracting. I have a few group chats. Some of them are just like family ones, but I have to mute them because I just find it really distracting. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, you just have to know yourself. For me, it's a no. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think, you know, I only have so much energy in a day. I have no motor centers to find. I have to be very, very deliberate with what I put my energy towards if I want to get anything done. So that is just not it. Like I can't deal with the the pop-ups of messages all the time. You can't do it. <laughs> One thing I'm really interested in understanding about you is yeah. if there's another energy type that you envy and and why. Like when you found out you were a projector, were you like, yes, oh my gosh, this fits me? Or when you read about the other types, were you surprised that you weren't another one? Because initially, did you feel like you fit somewhere else first until you accepted the projectorness, mm. or did projector feel like home right off the bat? Mm, okay. So the envy question is absolutely not. That I, I think is such an interesting question. Hasn't even occurred to me to think about that before. Um, do you? Is there another type you envy? I'm very curious. So no, no, I guess. And you know what? Maybe, maybe envy is the wrong word because maybe it's more like, did you feel like you fit you were another, another mm-hmm. energy type. Mm-hmm. I, I, I probably would have thought that I was like a generator or a, I think I wanted to be a manifester, even though I knew deep down that was not who I am. Yeah. Um, but when I found out, so I'm a six, two talented role model projector, splenic authority to me, I felt really proud like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this makes sense. I've always like stood up for people. I've always found myself in leadership positions, president in my sorority. Mm -hmm. I'm on our executive team at work. Like they're just, I always kind of found myself as the friend where people would go for advice. And when I heard everything about like, you have a bird's eye view to situations and you can weigh in, that felt so spot on Mm -hmm. to me. And even my girlfriends, when I talked to them about my energy type and some of the like intricacies that were woven into my profile, they were like, oh my gosh, wow, that is like you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I know, like, this is crazy. It gave me a little bit of validation. And then learning about the energy types of my family members, I'm surrounded by um, generators and manifesting generators. And a few projectors. One of my best friends is also a 6'2 projector, which we were like, whoa, that is wild. But we have differences, obviously. But um, I don't know that I necessarily envied any other one. I think maybe I assumed that I would have been a generator because I'd been living my life like because a Because you were conditioned to be one. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you feel like that? Or were um, you like, no, projector is me. This is good. Because I feel like you have a better understanding because of your defined identity center for me every I like look for clues externally you're like I could be this yes tomorrow I could be this yeah I mean I will say in the beginning I didn't super super resonate with it or all of it let's say some parts yes but there were some parts where I was like oh really that doesn't sound like me but then I later just understood as you said that a lot of those parts that had been were those parts that had been so heavily conditioned in me 
and that it was as if I had this big layer of stuff that needed to first be dissolved and moved away to the point where I could even see that in me. Mm-hmm. And again, as you said as well, same for me, makes sense because I grew up in a family of only generators and manifesting generators. Um, also two Aries as parents. So there's that. <laughs> so at the time growing up, I didn't have projectors around me to model some of these things. And as we know, projectors tend to be highly conditioned anyway. So even if I did, if that person didn't have the awareness, then they probably acted like a generator anyway. So it wouldn't have made a difference. But in terms of like, would I want to be another type? I'm, I'm very pragmatic with these things. And I kind of the way that I think about it, like you said with your daughter, right? Like you've got these cards you were dealt and it's like, okay, this is what we've got. Let's find the highest expression of that. And I wouldn't even think to look outside of that because to me, there's no point. It's mm-hmm. like human design shows us that it all comes with a shadow and a light expression. I have manifestor clients who are the only ones who are truly designed to do the initi- initiating, right? And projectors from our vantage point, we might go, oh my God, it's the dream. Mm-hmm. But those manifestors come into a session with me and they've been conditioned away from that too. And they have their own wounds and topics. And same goes for generators. I have so many generator clients who r- resent being generators and have to really come to fall in love with that. And it's a process. So I don't think that the grass is really greener anywhere, aura-wise. <laughs> That's a really good point because I think a lot of, I, I can see the two sides of the coin. Like for me, I read about it and even some of the things in my gates, I was like, oh, that's, I'm not in love with that. But I quickly moved past it to just like this acceptance phase and looking into like, what are the, what are the benefits of this? Because I initially perceived this as negative because it's not negative or positive. It is. So how do you then utilize and interpret those you know, the nuances about your chart. And again, like you can take it or you can leave it. If it doesn't resonate with you and you don't feel like digging into it is going to help you or provide you any, any peace of mind, then just let that piece be and like focus on the other pieces. Absolutely. And even without like, you know how many people are living a wonderful life without even knowing about the system? Like, Uh you know, I don't think that we need to take anything that seriously. If if it resonates, if it's helpful, if it provides you with a kind of like a, a map of like, oh, this is interesting, or this is showing me something that maybe I've intuited was there, but that I haven't had the language for, or maybe I've never felt like I got to have that, or that wasn't accepted, like, I think that's where it shines. But if it feels like it's absolutely not the right thing, or if it feels restrictive, then like, you know. You can leave it. It's so it's always there for you if you want it later. That's one thing that I actually love about human design, though, is because I feel like it's not it's not a religion. It's not yeah. something where you you have to follow this code. Obviously, it gives you advice of mm-hmm. here's how you can kind of tune in to you know your strategy and authority will allow you to live a life that serves the highest purpose for yourself yeah. if you choose to do so. But you don't have to. And like there are tips and I love that it's, you know, there, we talk about it as like a a blueprint because for me that I'm a very visual learner and that makes things really clear to me. Like I envision Mm -hmm. rolling out the scroll of the blueprint and it makes a lot of sense to me where 
I didn't grow up in a religious family, so we didn't, we Mm -hmm. didn't pray before we ate or before we went to bed or we didn't go to church. Like I chose to do, I chose to explore churches by myself because I was innately curious and certain things resonated with me and certain things didn't. But Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I love about human design versus other types of like personality inquiries that I've done is because there is so much information available and it is so personalized with Enneagram and some of the other like tools that are out there. I feel like it's kind of a one-stop shop and there's not, you, you can dig deeper, but it's very surface and it is very unpersonalized. In my opinion, I felt like it could be, it's kind of a blanket statement for anyone. And that's personally why I really like human design. Have you explored any of the other like personality type tests or quizzes that give you insight and have any of them resonated with you? Oh yeah. I love personality frameworks. Um, I like both the ones that are calculated, you know, based on time and place of birth, but also the ones where you mainly self-type like Enneagram, Myers-Briggs and so on. I find it all very fascinating. Um, What I find none of the others sort of bring is the piece of the aura and the aura dynamics and how your aura interacts with the other, which is where human design is really giving me that and giving me that mechanics mechanics piece where it's not personal. And I find that really refreshing and really valuable. And then in terms of other modalities, um, you know, I'm, I'm generally, I'd say I'm pretty spiritual while also being pragmatic and down to earth. Um, it's kind of both. I grew up in a family where the spiritual was just kind of part of things. So I'm half Sicilian, half Moroccan. Um, the Sicilian part of my family is like, you know, (laughs) my mom would do tarot cards. We had crystals at home. I remember whenever I had a headache as a kid, I would ask for rose quartz rather than an aspirin. Oh, and you know, my family members would go see psychic mediums, like people go see doctors, you know, not instead of, but like, it's, it's just a normal thing. So I'm pretty open to all of that. I do dabble in astrology and um, that I'm very, very interested in. I work with a great astrologer and I'm really thankful to him. I've been thinking about him the other day because he's extremely knowledgeable and competent. Um, So he merges astrology and psychology. He has a psychology background. And in my opinion, he's truly one of the greats. Um, He's two generations above mine. So he's in his 60s. He has a lot of experience and he filters the things he says through that. And while we love having these chats, right? Like these, like these, this is the transit. This is what's going on. Like this is the theme that's going on in your life. Like he will also often take that step back and he will say to me, Nadia, you know, just don't think that you have to do it all right. Like, don't think that you have to get it all right. That he often says that's one of those things in our generation that he doesn't envy us for at all Mm. because we've got this obsession with self-optimization and with using these frameworks um, to control every aspect of our experience, like obsessively checking transits, right? And then it's Mercury retrograde and then it's Venus retrograde afterwards. So I guess I can't launch this thing. Mm. And where he brings that really refreshing spirit into it is where he's like, you know, here's the astrological info, be aware of these things. These are the themes, but also don't let that deter you from living your life. Don't think that you need to be doing everything right. Don't try to be controlling everything because then you give your agency away. And if, 
you know, you have that idea of like, if I don't do it during this one transit, I missed out, it's game over. And that's not how life works. And I find that to be such a healthy perspective. And I'm really grateful to have him. I, I think there's a lot to be said for working with someone who not only has the knowledge, but who also has the wisdom to go with it. And, you know, I aspire towards that myself very much and, and very earnestly to to be that that person one day in someone else's life. I love that so much. I I think so, oh, so much of what you said like resonates with me. And also I'm like, oh my gosh, I want his name. I've been scouring. Oh, he only speaks German. Kylie, oh, you need to get on that. You need no. to get on it. Learn German. It's worth it. <laughs> I learned, I started learning German when I went to Berlin. Did you? Um, I learned how to say like, I am pregnant and a few other phrases. I can actually yeah. pick up language relatively quickly if it's practiced, mm-hmm. but I only ever grew up speaking English, even though I am German, I'm a total European mutt. Um, but my husband, he grew up speaking Farsi. Mm-hmm. And wow. so I've been learning Farsi and my mother-in-law and I will sit and I'll keep, I have pages and pages in my note app on my phone of just phrases and words. And sometimes we'll go through together and she'll help me add new things. And I'm slowly after 15 years, like starting to pick up on it, even though I only speak English to my husband. So yeah, it's like, it's difficult to learn within that <laughs> context. Of course. But... And it's a completely different, right? The language has a completely different root. It's not like me learning Spanish after I already know French and Italian and you know mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah this makes sense like mm-hmm. yeah I can see why it would be that word yes it's like something completely different where you have to almost like train your mind to accept yes a completely new way of speaking and building sentences which I think is so fun I learned Japanese how long has it been this is another thing when I do maths I always do it in Swiss German oh <laughs> so <my> embarrassing <laughs> Um, what was it? Um, let's say it was a good 14 years ago. No, maybe a little less. Maybe it was like 13 years ago. And Japanese to me was the first language I learned that had a completely different route. Because uh, everything else, like I speak German and French and Italian and Spanish. And then it was Japanese. And my mind, like, you know, the little emoji that has its mind blown. Uh-huh. It was like, what? There's three alphabets, first of all. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, okay. And then it's like, there's different ways of saying things. Do you want to be polite? Do you not want to be polite? Are you a woman saying this? And it's just completely different. But it, I really felt like my brain was working out. You know, like yeah. you can feel those pathways. It's like, wow, my brain hasn't been used in this way. And I think that's so cool. That is how I felt after I had a baby, honestly, oh, in, wow. in a weird way. I felt like, I feel like since I had children, I mm-hmm. became so uber curious and my psychological background, I have a degree in psychology. Um, I feel like it just became alive. It, it might've been lit up in, in school and then it was kind of like, okay, you know, my day today. And mm-hmm. after I had kids, my whole brain felt lit up in understanding wow. and researching. I loved the research aspect in college or university, but it kind of just like, it goes away to a little degree when you're not just like researching things on the day to day. I think yeah. last year alone with two kids, I read almost 40 books. Oh, that's just amazing. Because I was so curious about all of the things. And this is, I've been trying to find practitioners 
that can, to your point about your astrologer, that can help me kind of just like reframe some of these things, because obviously I'm not going to be the expert in all of the things, even though deep down, Mm -hmm. I kind of like wish that I could be because I just, there's so much value in people that have expertise, but I want to find people that can kind of help because that's one thing I've also learned is I am innately curious and I love that about myself, but I need someone to kind of help me channel channel that into something. Yes. And like, give me, I, I don't know it all. And I don't want to ever assume that I do. And I want someone to kind of put me in my place sometimes to say like, you're interpreting it completely incorrectly, or like, that's interesting. You know, that's an interesting way to view it, but what it's actually trying to tell you is this. And Mm -hmm. like, I've been dabbling with my Akashic records and there are so many different just practices. I want to get my Akashic records read. I want to find an astrologer, but it's really hard to kind of know who to go to and who is like a a source that you can trust when no network is into this. And that's one thing that I'm struggling with right now is I'm kind of the only one going through my, I call it just my spiritual awakening slash journey right now. Mm-hmm. in my group, in my family and my friends. So I'm having a little bit of a difficult time, like sourcing people that I can I understand, I can meet with and learn from. So that's mm-hmm. why when I hear like, Oh, I have a great this. I'm like, Oh, who, who, who is it? Yes. Oh no. I would have loved to connect you to you. You would have, you would love him. Uh, but yeah, there's the language barrier. So yes, can... that might be difficult for me to retain much information, <laughs> especially because he's in addition to being incredibly knowledgeable, competent, he has like his command of language. The, the vocabulary he uses is his language is very literary. It's just an absolute joy and delight. I, I really cherish those, those conversations a lot. Um, but I hear what you're saying. I think sometimes like to trust that the people who need to show up, show up or like you'll hear about this great person and you know, in, in some way, it might not be from your immediate um, circle, but you'll hear about someone and you kind of have that, you know what, I'm going to try this out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to like go, as we say here in German, over seven mountains to find my astrologer because he had, because, <laughs> he uh, you know, I help people. He's always like my my example for the way that you shouldn't do business, although he can do it because he's, he's so brilliant. People will actually you know, cross those seven mountains to work with him. But I work people, um, I help people with setting up their service blueprint for um, service design in terms of like, what are your offers and how do you want to structure those? And how do you want people, like, what are the touch points along that? And so on. So I have a whole curriculum with that. And I always think it's ideally, it's set up in a way that's really thoughtful where people don't have to sort of figure it out like you've done the work in the back end to make it easily digestible easily understandable like if someone's on your website you want them to understand what you're offering and to understand what it is you're not offering what the scope is but also to have like a clear um you know here's the button to take action like it has to be quite Mm -hmm. easily understandable whereas with him he has this website hasn't been updated in a while and it's also geared towards men so it's just like I, I offer these sessions to talk to men about these and these topics. And I was like, yeah, but I want to work with you. So yeah. we're going to need to find a way. And then there's like, I don't know if the contact, there was some weird way of having to contact him. And then he, I, he didn't reply for like three weeks. I was like, no, no, 
needs to be this one. (laughs) But uh, ideally, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't make your, uh, your clients jump through hoops. But for him, he's always my example where I'm like, okay, but if you're that good, (laughs) people will, or if if someone has that strong uh, a connection or feeling that they want to work with you, it sometimes can be a bit more forgiving with uh, a lack of (laughs) service design and human-centered design. (laughs) This is part of what trips me up about starting a business and promoting and because I start getting too specific into Mm -hmm. wait for the invitation and don't push things because then they won't be heard. And it's not that like, so sometimes I'll start, I have these ebbs and flows where I'm really feeling inspiration and feeling like I'm in my zone and I'm putting things out on social media that really resonate with me and that I feel really proud of. And then I go into hibernation where I start questioning everything. And then I Mm. stop doing everything because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? You know, what is, Mm. what are people's interpretations of what I'm saying and doing? And then I totally Mm. hermit myself. And so that's kind of where I've been lately is like in that hermit mindset where I started questioning everything once I actually started doing things. And I Mm. think of myself a bit as a self-sabotager because I start making progress and then I immediately shut it down because I think I, I get into this little box where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I willing to do this? And it's Mm -hmm. like, part of me is like, yes, hell yeah. Like who cares? Do it. You love it. It lights you up. Like your friends have even told you, like, when you talk about this, you light up, like I can hear it in your voice. And then I stop myself because I think of, and it's really weird. I think of like five people that I'm not even that close with and what they might. And you're like, what if they see this? Yes. Oh my God. It's so common. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's like these few people that I think of and I'm like, oh, they are like this person I went to high school with. They can, they mustn't see this thing I'm doing. And it's more like, I think that they're going to see it and then they're going to judge me by it. And I'm like, who cares? Who cares? What what impact will that have on your life? But I understand that that thought isn't landing where it needs to land. So do you hear what's going on right now as you're as you're telling this, as you're telling me this? There's two parts of you that are communicating. There's like adult Kylie in her conscious mind with the strong desire and vision. You're like, I want to do this. I'm excited. I know the strategy or, you know, if I don't know it, I know where to get help to like put the strategy in place. Like I know I need to get visible. I need to do that. And then you get to a point, I call this the capacity ceiling. So that's where we've got strategy and capacity where it's like, you know what you should be doing, but there's a point where your system just shuts down. You're like, no. And that can show up in different ways. For you, it shows up as, oh, it's lack of inspiration. Oh, I'm just going to like retreat. But there's something here where your system does not yet have the capacity to hold the vision that you're consciously dreaming up. So I would venture to say that you probably haven't been in this situation before. It sounds like, you know, this is the first time you're venturing to these capacity heights and your system is like, okay, nope, no, 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 cannot hold this. Uh, There's there's some fear of like what lies on the other side of this. You've said you're scared of people judging you. So then to your system in its very sort of basic mathematics that it does, it's like we can either stay here this is safe. We already know, like we've been surviving. It's fine. Or we can go to the other side where she actually does this thing. She's going to get judged by these five people, probably some other people as well. And then we're going to die. Or then this terrible thing. We don't know. And the not knowing is usually classified as worse than just staying 
in what's maybe also not great, but at least here we know. It's like, right, the devil we know versus the devil we don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's where the capacity ceiling is. So you're hitting that. And instead, there's only so much pushing you can do, right? You can show up as adult Kylie and go, okay, I'm going to just sit down and do this. And I know I have to like publish this website or whatever it is, whatever stage you're at. Um, But if the capacity is not there, you're going to start, these two sides are going to battle a lot and it's going to lead to a lot of friction. You're already feeling it. So I would say address that capacity first. You need to um, develop that bigger container so that you can more easily do the implement the strategy because otherwise you're always going to keep yourself from doing the strategy does that make sense yes that makes yeah. a whole hell of a lot of sense this is why when i yeah. was looking into your into your business i was like okay well i think i need nadia to help me <laughs> because it's very common it's very common you're certainly not the first person to feel this way it's one of those things where when i before i started the process i was an endless ball of energy, excitement, inspiration. Mm. And once I got the ball rolling, the brakes were like, because now it's real. Your system is like, oh, wait, we've gone out of dreaming mode. We're actually doing this. Ah, like, right. And there's so many layers to this. There's like, what's, what's the benefit of staying where you're, where you're at? What's the fear of what could happen if you go there? And sometimes when you really dive into it with people, it's, you know, it's, we're, we're no longer in rational mind mode, but we still have to take these things seriously because part of your system truly believes that and is going to act accordingly. And how does that, and from your perspective and your work, yeah. how does that, like for a projector in particular, yeah. how would you coach someone working through that? Because I feel like because I've become, I don't want to say obsessed, but like it is in the back of my mind all the time yeah. about, okay, my strategy, my authority, like thinking through how I, how I can best show up for myself mm-hmm. and the invitation piece, I think always gets a lot of projectors, honestly, because they're like, wait a second, mm-hmm. I have never waited for an invitation for X, Y, Z, or like, I've always been a go-getter and it can yeah. kind of like put you in a- And how's that been working out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. But like, part of me is like, has anyone asked for this business? But as a parent, I'm <laughs> No like, one needs to ask for this business. People, you make it. And then once people understand and know what it is, they can invite you to help them. But it's not their job to, no one asked for the iPhone. I mean, I don't know Steve Jobs type, but when you innovate, when you bring something new onto the market- um, people don't know yet what it is that they're going to need. So it's not their job to, to dream it up. It's your job to dream it up and to bring it out. And of course, you know, you want to have that on, on a strategically solid base where you understand, is this actually helpful? Is this helpful beyond just what I'm dreaming up sitting at my desk? Like, have I talked to people? Have I had, have I gathered insight into potential future clients, into these parents that you want to work with? Um, and then based on that, once it's there, then you can make yourself available to be invited. But I personally don't think that anyone is going to be like, you know, something that doesn't exist yet. I, I will invite that into being. Maybe it happens, but I don't think that that's where the invitation comes in. I think it comes later. Yeah, I've heard that before when I've done some research, but I think, so I want to ask you again, like, well, I guess I haven't really asked you as much about astrology, but we talked about it a little bit before we started recording. And it's interesting. I just got um, an update on my app 
from um, Chani Nicholas saying the moon is in Libra. Schmooze everyone is the, is the <laughs> um, confused debating for flirting and refuse to pick sides. For someone <laughs> like me who's new to astrology, but deeply interested in it right now. Yeah. Like, where do you start? Obviously, there's a few of the signs that you pay attention to, but is there like a better type? Like it's, that's obviously, I think that there's probably not because again, it is what it is. But when you see your signs, like, you know, I have Gemini primarily through my chart. I'm also a Gemini in my Zodiac sign. So for me, Gemini is like through and through what, like, do I take away from that? Is there anything that as you're looking into this, you can be like, okay, this is something that you should definitely keep in mind that like can serve you because I'm primarily interested in learning about ways that it can best serve me Mm -hmm. and how I can kind of adopt some of the things that might innately be within me that I might innately know or understand, but how do I then put some of those into practice? Do you have tips for anyone? Like as you learn more about your astrological signs and what houses your planets live in? Yeah. So I'm not an astrologer. I'm just interested. I do dabble heavily, but it's not what I do for work. Um, let me think of like, what's a really helpful resource. I do love astro.com. I think it's one of the best, most comprehensive sites, um, where you can learn more. Like there's so many different aspects that you can dive into. It's one I always recommend. Then the app time passages I told you before, Mm -hmm. um, gives you some information into the natal chart you bring, but also the transits you're going through and how they might be affecting you. And then I think with you having like such a Gemini heavy chart, like just diving into that archetype of the, of Gemini, because in the end I treat it the same way, not the same way, but similarly to how I would treat an aspect of human design where it's, you know, you can go into the shadow aspect of it, or you can go into the, the light aspect of it. So uh-huh. what is that Gemini archetype? And to really understand that, like you would understand a person or a concept, um, and, and to get an idea that way. And then I would do that for the other, um, the other parts of your natal chart as well and do the same thing with the planet. So what does this planet mean? And then you kind of bring it together like puzzle pieces. That's what makes most sense to me. Um, but I think, you know, it's, I mean, astrology is an incredible, like incredibly intricate system. I'm certainly not, you know, in, at any, any stage of it where I'm like, oh yeah, I totally get this. Um, but I think, you know, you can spend years just just getting really a deep understanding of what it means to be a Gemini sun, Gemini, she's saying moon, uh-huh. Gemini, Mercury, Gemini, Venus, you said, uh-huh. right? Like what, what are those nuances and what does that bring? And then you look at the houses, like what do the houses represent and um, what does that mean with the signs? So there's so much there. I think it's again, really fun, but I also think it's really valuable to have someone guide you on that journey who knows what to look for and, and kind of guide you and have that conversation with you. Mm-hmm. I know there's so much information that it's like yeah. information overload. I wish I could just spend my whole day digging into all of these things because they're so interesting. Like, I just think that there is, there's so much to learn and just that's available to us in this world. Like, pardon me, obviously you're not going to learn all of the things, but I, I love actually that you were talking about your upbringing as having tarot cards in the house and yeah. <laughs> reaching for rose quartz when you have headache. I have frequent headaches and migraines. Oh, like no. I'm so sorry. Like, I recently had to go 
to the hospital for a headache because it was oh. or a migraine because it was so bad. And I have never even heard of, oh, rose quartz might actually be a benefit. I'm- I don't know if it helped, Kylie. <laughs> it's a, I had really terrible migraines. I want to say like starting at 12. Oh, no. And then later on, like up until like in my 20s, it was still happening. And it was, you know, it was tension. It was more psychosomatic, I would think. But I would have them three to four days a week. I definitely, I certainly was not reaching for the rose quartz with those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is terrible. Only someone who's experienced it can understand how terrible it is. Like it's one of those things, you know, if you've never had a migraine, people are like, oh yeah, that must be horrible. But it's like, no, you want to die. Yeah. Like you cannot be expected to even be a human. And all you can do is lie in a dark room have everything dark, have everything be quiet, have like a, a little wet, a cold towel on your face and just wait for it to be over, which usually takes you falling asleep and sleeping a whole night through, right? Yes. It's the worst, the absolute worst. I, I'm so sorry to hear you're, you're having to experience that. The benefit was that I had the best night's sleep I had ever had <laughs> after I recently went to the hospital for it because- Did they just give you- Home at seven <laughs> and I- I was, I told my husband, like, I just have to go to bed. So I think I went to bed at like 745 and I slept for a good 12 or 13 hours. And I woke up oh, like wow. ready to take on the day that I've been since having kids. I was like, wow, wow, maybe I need to start going to bed at 745 because <laughs> that was a total game changer and how I felt and how I woke up. I was like, wow, this is great. But yes, thank you. It is. I'm sorry that you, I mean, that's so young too. My goodness. Oh, it was, I mean, it wasn't, they weren't as frequent. I think at the time it was more like when I was in the sun for too long, um, they would happen. But then later on, it was definitely because I was stressed. I was unhappy with, with my job and, you know, everything. And um, I would have them, but it got me to the point where I was like, okay, something needs to change because I cannot live this way can't have this four days out of the week it's yeah really terrible and I haven't I maybe have one like maybe every two or three months now but it's it's nothing compared to what I used to do so yeah I'm very grateful do you have any post-it notes around your house or in your room <laughs> why are you asking on your mirror because I'm thinking knows, for I some reason I started this. going towards like mindset <laughs> And I was wondering, like, <laughs> do you have any post-its in I your room? I literally have written five post-it notes full while we were having this interview. No way. <laughs> I have post-its, like, within reach of where I am physically at all times. So I have a design background. My, well, my studies, it was an interdisciplinary field, which merged business design and tech. Um, but I was very much, you know, my, my mentors, my teachers, it was all um, like design thinking, human-centered design, service design, product design. I have that designer's mindset and I do everything with post-its. So it's, I, I'm also very much a visual person, as you said, you are. Um, I do everything. I like pen and paper. Like if I can, move my screen away. I prefer it that way. I'm also feeling cognition and human design. And it said that we're more sensitive to screens. So that makes sense to me, but it's something I gravitated towards before I even learned about human design. Um, so yes, post-its everywhere at all times. That is so funny. I just, <laughs> I pulled out my own post-its that I have in my I was desk. like, how does she know? <laughs> to have um, on my desk, but 
that's I, honestly the reason I was asking was more because I was wondering if you like put them on your mirror with like affirmation oh oh I see no no I don't do that no I don't believe in that <laughs> okay I you know but I uh, why oh, do you sorry, not believe in that does it not help you mm, I, it feels I inauthentic mean, does it help anyone like okay that was <laughs> I have a whole thing about affirmations. I think it goes back to capacity. Um, it goes to the subconscious level. So what I've seen a lot with clients is they'll come in, they're like, but I've been doing the thing. I've had the yeah. little post-it on my window or on my mirror where it says, I love myself. And every every day I tell myself that 10 times, I love myself. Um, your system isn't doesn't like being lied to. And what happens when you say something that isn't truly something you believe. So we, we have a conscious mind, we have a subconscious mind. Uh -huh. The subconscious mind, there's um, a really interesting information I read um, by um, a neuro, neuroscientist who sadly has passed away where she would go as far as to say the subconscious mind is the body. The body is the subconscious mind. They're on the same level. That part of us doesn't know how to lie. It's just what you see is what you get. It's straightforward. That's why people are into, you know, body language and so on to really decipher what's going on. The conscious mind on the other side, that's where we can dream up things, right? That's where, that's where we come up with our goals, with our plans. That's where we can entertain possibilities that are not yet our reality. That's where we can travel into the past and that's where we can travel into the possible future. That's where we can lie. It's the only part of us that can lie. So in our conscious mind, we come up with these affirmations, but then in the subconscious, they're not, they're not represented. We no longer, we don't yet have them in there. There's no root. So we, and the, the thing is that between the conscious and the subconscious mind, there isn't that information flow where you just say it, you know, often enough on the conscious level that it eventually goes down to the subconscious doesn't work that way. Otherwise, none of us would be having any issues with anything uh -huh. because we would just be saying the things or reading the book or watching the class or watching the, the movie or the documentary. And then all our system would be on board. But the thing is that usually it's our conscious mind that's on board because that's the part of us that understands by reading, by assimilating information in the ways that we usually do and analyzing, whereas the subconscious has no analytical analytical part to it. And it's like there's a, there's a barrier and the information doesn't go there. So what happens with affirmations is you say the same thing every day. It never goes where it actually needs to go, which is to the part of you that is actually driving your behavior. And then I think what happens and what I've noticed happen with clients is that you become less trustworthy to your system as you're saying something that your system's like yeah that's cool but you don't believe that mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's not actually the truth so you just keep saying something that your system's like yeah but that's that's not right so i i don't do that at all um what i think is helpful is to do the a subconscious calibration or recalibration where you're actually working on implanting that on the subconscious level and then you go nuts with your affirmations you can do whatever you want because then that that has somewhere to go that has somewhere to anchor in whereas before there's no soil for that to to grow does that is that no that makes <laughs> I get very excited talking about that that makes total sense for me you okay. know it's funny because I feel like I've tried a lot of these affirmation things yeah. but I I've never heard someone explain it in the way that you just did, which I'm, I'm nodding over here the whole time you're talking because <laughs> I feel like it's, you have to almost 
you have to be living something for it to change how you think and how you feel. And you, to your point, like trust is, we do, I don't think that people talk about the disadvantage of your conscious and subconscious mind when you put dis, like when you don't trust what you're telling yourself and how then it can actually backfire because I have tried some of those things countless times. And it's like, I've never been able to kind of do the, like, look at yourself in the mirror and looking deep in your eyes. Because for me in my head, I'm like, what the hell am I doing right now? Like, it, I mean, I'm sure there's something there, right? With the looking, being with yourself, like you can probably get benefits from that. But mm, yeah, it's, I just think that you have to believe in what you're doing and not every, this goes back to not every technique is going to work for every single person. And that you have to be the one to identify what that technique is. And part of it is like, I, well, yes, I, I feel like I'm still kind of at the point where I am looking externally for certain validation to trust myself innately. I know certain things that will and won't work for me. And like meeting with experts is something that does definitely light me up. We're doing some of the other things like it just doesn't work for me because I know that I don't trust myself enough to, Mm. to have it actually make a meaningful change in a positive way for me. And that it would be more beneficial for me to ask myself a question and journal about it and try to get to the root of it. Continue to ask myself. And to develop that self-trust, right? Because then if you have that, I think of that and I've said it before in interviews and people are always like, what are you talking about? But I think of that as our spine, like our energetic spine. If you have that, there's going to be way less of that swaying in the wind, like, you know, plastic bag in the wind type of thing. Because if you can have that self-trust and if you know, as we said before with the centers, like that is this center, that is this center, this is an outside voice. You can start identifying these parts of you. Then you can also kind of uh, in that sort of backwards method, identify what is truly me, what is truly my inner GPS. And you're going to be less like bulldozed over by strong outside opinions that are going to, of course, come towards your way. And as you said before, I just wanted to add, like, there's different ways this shows up with people. What I, what I find with some clients is that sometimes it's not even a matter, a matter of lack of self-trust, but it's that your system has never received, you know, let's say that download or that information as, as something that it can carry. So even if you you pump in the affirmation on the conscious level, it's like on the subconscious level, it's like file not found. <laughs> we we don't know what this is, like disk error. We we don't know. I've never learned what it looks like to, you know, if we go with the example of I love myself, I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even know what that would feel like. What would that even be? I've never learned it. I've never certainly never had it with myself. I've not seen it from my parents. I've not seen it in my formative years model to me. How would I even just by that sentence, how would my system even get a frame of reference of what that is? So then we need to work on building that frame of reference. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. Because these are the things that the subconscious understands instead of just the sentence, which is still more you know, a, a conscious mind analytical, like it's a phrase, right? It's a, it's a structural. Right concept so with some clients sometimes some clients have it there's also um one way that it shows up is uh, clients sometimes have both so they will have they will have the frame of reference and the understanding of i love myself deep in their subconscious but if you're noticing in your daily life like that's weird because I'm actually not acting like I love myself, then we would still inquire further. And what we find sometimes is that um, they also have the opposite 
thing in there, which in this case would be, I hate myself Uh or I don't love myself. Uh And then you believe, so, you know, we usually say, and I'm sure you heard this and your listeners have heard this. If anyone's on Instagram, you've heard this, but we usually say subconscious mind 95% of the time, conscious mind 5% of the time, right? That it drives your behavior and that it, it kind of, that's what drives your actions which is wild. That already in itself is wild. Yeah, that is so crazy. Um, that is crazy. Um but then, you know, if you think of like if you think of it in terms of a push pull between the conscious and the subconscious, it's kind of like, yeah. You know, <laughs> spoiler alert, the subconscious is going to win because it's 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 just it has so much more bandwidth, it has so much more power than your conscious mind. You can only be conscious that sort of that much of a time or like that long at a time. And then what, what we have here in this other, other calibration, this is kind of very advanced stuff. I don't usually um, bring this up a lot, but. No, I love it. <laughs> um, is what we have is we have two opposing beliefs at the same time. These are both in the subconscious. So we're already in the realm of the, sub, realm of the subconscious where it's, as we said, more power, more bandwidth, more strength. So it's no longer 5% versus 95 it's 50-50 within the 95. So you're going to go through life with that push-pull of, I hate myself, I love myself, I hate myself, I love myself, I hate myself, I love myself. That's going to be going on because the other thing about the subconscious mind is that, and that is where capacity is built, which is why I'm talking about it so much today, um, is that it's it's kind of like it's a 24 7 it's there 24 7 whether we're aware of it or not but it's driving our these these movies kind of just play in the background we're not necessarily aware of them but they're driving our behaviors and so if you have the i hate myself and the i love myself and they both weigh the same so to speak it's going to be really hard for you to make progress with that i love myself because for every step you make forward you make one back uh-huh and it's a really, I always tell my clients, like, you know, because I want to validate what they've probably been feeling. It's usually the reason they come to me because they're like, oh, my God, I've tried everything. I've done this session and this thing. I've tried this modality and I still don't have it. The thing is, because usually you go into some session, you do something could be really helpful. But if they already have the good thing, most work is geared towards uh, sort of um letting the good thing more of the good flow in to the system for these clients they already have the good they already have the i love myself the problem is that the negative thing is also anchored in there so if you're just going in with more um solidifying and more strengthening of the i love myself it's not going to do anything because that was always that was there all along the problem is that there's that anchor that's keeping them down where the I love myself doesn't have the opportunity to blossom because the I hate myself or the I don't love myself is in there just as strongly. So the work isn't to work on I love myself. The work is to de-anchor, de-link, I call it, the, the negative anchor. And that is the thing that moves the needle. That is when people go out of the session. They're like, oh, my God. Finally, I feel like I can take the foot off the brakes and I can actually move forward. And it's just the most incredible thing. And I'm one of those, I, I'm one of those people that has a lot of opposing or used to have a lot of opposing beliefs. Usually, you know, kind of the, the client segment I work with, they're they're well versed in self-development. They've done a lot of um, 
a lot of work on themselves already. So a lot of them already have a lot of the good material in there. But in very many cases, if they haven't specifically worked on removing the opposing negative anchor, it's almost like that positive work can't fully blossom. So there's that. That totally <laughs> resonates with me. Does it? Yes. Yeah, Just feeling. And again, it's it's more of the awareness because I'm very much aware of mm -hmm. those two that, and yeah. honestly, that I hate myself. I love myself. It's kind of like directed at my body. And Aww. I think that that mm -hmm. has a big impact subconsciously on how I do things. Like I my very first yeah. podcast episode was kind of like unveiling the fact that I had an eating disorder to the world, which I had never I'm shared so publicly sorry. before. And that was, I think those, some of that mindset still kind of inhibits my day to day of like, I want to mm. do this and this and this. And subconsciously, it's almost like I've, I've continued to put on weight to kind of hide to hide certain things about myself that I don't want to bring to light. And it's almost the same when it comes to business stuff. Like I'm so yeah. excited about doing it, but I'm afraid to do it. So I'm going to hide it away again. Like I'm just going to retreat. I'm yeah. just going to hermit. And then you have the second line, right? In your, in your profile. So there is going to be that tendency to hermit. There's nothing wrong with that, but we want to make sure that you're not making use of that in a way that is, you know, you're using it as an excuse to not go, where your conscious mind already has decided you want to go, where your desire is already pulling you. But then there's that capacity ceiling where you're like, actually, let me just do everything I can to not make this happen. Yes. This is actually really scaring me. Yes, exactly. So, right. <laughs> and then you go to your go-to, whether, you know, whatever behavior that is, it could be hermiting. Mm -hmm. um, I have that second line as well. I certainly do it. <laughs> yes, it's hard not to. And once you know it, you're like, okay, I'm like hermiting again. Like I kind of like yeah. use it. And there's nothing wrong with it, right? It's part, you're designed to use that as it's part of your uh, makeup, your your cosmic makeup. But I will be able to utilize it as like recharge yeah. time instead of, living in a hiding away exactly like I don't want to yeah. inhibit opportunities for myself because I'm using my hermit side as a way to hide away from and like not actually yeah. address what I'm trying to accomplish and then have the that moment where you're like I wish I would have done this for myself or what could have happened if I had only x like I feel like I have a lot of those thoughts that now I'm like I need to work through those because I yeah. no longer want to live in that what if I would have had the, you know, what if I would have been brave enough to do this? Like go, yeah. I want to go like, sorry for the term, but like balls to the wall, brave yeah. and see what happens because I haven't ever given myself that opportunity. So that's kind of like the, the, I guess it's like yeah. okay, brave era as like, don't DGAF, like just go yeah. for it and see where it lands. But that was so interesting. I love this just oh, me especially with my psychology background I'm like you are speaking my language oh yes I can imagine and still right like we can have that all of that knowledge and still it eludes us for ourselves that's why I still work with people <laughs> to help me because I can see it so clearly for someone else but then when it comes to my own it's like Mm. <laughs> yes. This is so hard. It's so hard to do. So um I yeah. I want to be mindful of of your time and also okay. I have one last or well two kind of. Yeah. What um, are you reading right now if anything? Ooh. And what is on your playlist? Oh, I love that. My playlist, you know, I told you I just recently went to Paris for a little 
<laughs> just a little fun little trip as as one does and um i made a little paris on a whim playlist and that's that's what's happening i'm still listening to it and it just takes me back to just eating my slice of cake at the jardin du palais royal <laughs> it's just that's what i've been listening to uh -huh. And what am I reading? I'm always reading so many things. I'm currently reading a book. It's also a French book, though I'm reading it in German um, by Georges Perec. It's called Les Choses in German, Die Dinge, in English, The Things. And it's, is it from the 60s? It certainly um, is set in the 60s. I just started. Um, and it's about like consumption, consumption of things as as a way to kind of, you know, fill the void uh, it's it's not the most uplifting read <laughs> but what else am I reading I also love listening to audiobooks I go to I go on walks every day I love my nature walks they're like part of my very few non-negotiable things uh -huh. so I'm always listening to something I love thrillers I was actually wondering when you were saying that you were like you read 40 books which is amazing to me it sounds to me do you read mostly non-fiction I read both but yeah last year i did go on kind of like a i love mystery thrillers non-fiction mystery oh, thrillers <laughs> and so i i do i found a few like series where it was the same characters throughout mm -hmm. multiple books and then like from a different character's perspective where i was just so drawn in i could read those in like a week but I also love like self-help books and I don't want to call them self-help because I kind of feel like it's more just like exploratory perspectives to be honest. Um, yeah. But you, you just like to learn. You like to see mm -hmm. different ways of what it could be like. Exactly. And I want to hear mm -hmm. people's experiences of like what, what worked for them and how and why. So uh, all of a mix, but last year, I think in particular was definitely more of like, I was into the mystery i could not stop turning pages i like as soon as mm -hmm. i would put the kids to bed i was in bed reading or outside reading so yeah uh, i love all of the things it's kind of just like where my where my head is at and what i yeah. feel like i can consume that will serve me best at the time like right now i'm doing a lot i'm reading glow in the fucking dark by tara schuster um, I read her mm -hmm. by the by the fucking lilies last year. And so now I'm reading her second book. I'm also reading this book called Creativity or Create in the Margins, I think. Oh, no, it's called Create Anyway. And it's talking about creating <laughs> in the margins of motherhood and kind of like how you oh, wow. find your creativity and jot it down in the margins of your life, but utilize it for good. And that's been really interesting. It's a little bit more like spiritual. It's more mm -hmm. like God based. And I didn't realize that at first, but it still is like, it still has practical tips and knowledge for me, even though I'm not religious per se. Um, mm -hmm. But those are the two that I'm playing with right now. I'm almost done with both of them, but I've been reading them simultaneously. So fun. Is there anything better than reading? You know, but what I've been doing, I've been getting up a little early in the mornings so I can just read for 30 minutes outside in the sun before my day starts. Like it's the first thing I'll do. It's before I get on my phone, uh, before I do anything else. And it has just set the most peaceful note for the day. It's also one of my favorite activities. 
and it says why why don't why don't I always do this I love that I do that before I go to bed so I have a I have I don't want to call it an adult nightlight but kind of I have (laughs) an adult nightlight slash sound machine and I so I every time I hit it it gives me 15 minutes of beach beach sounds and like yellow orange light so that I can read for 15 minutes and it'll change to like a deep purple when it's time for me to like go to bed and the sound will change. So it's like, okay, your time to read is over. But I go to bed every single night like that so that I give myself like a decompression time before I go to bed. But it's funny, I love, I wanna like get your playlist for Paris on a whim because oh. every breakfast <laughs> for my kids in the morning, I often put on Paris cafe playlists. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and we have like speakers in the ceiling of our house downstairs. so it's kind of just like the whole house is like permeated with French cafe music. Do your kids like it? Oh yeah, of course. Like, I feel like it's just so upbeat. It's hard not, well, I guess it's not necessarily upbeat. Not all of them are, but I just love the vibe. Like it takes me like, I just imagine that I'm like a Parisian with a croissant sitting under your, (laughs) under your arm. Yeah. Yeah, Like somewhere, (laughs) like I'm a creative with a, like a, you know, a beautiful little hat and red lipstick or something like I just it puts me in like a vibe that I love starting my day. Well, I think next year, Kylie, Europe is calling. I think so. I think it might be my place. Maybe it'll be my landing place. Who knows? But thank you, Nadia, so much. This was so much fun. I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time from across the world. So this has been very, very insightful and awesome. And you'll probably be hearing from me again when I'm like, so you were right, I am at capacity and now we need to move through that. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for making it happen time-wise and just being so gracious and kind. Of course, and you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you.